Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into Hungarian traditions. Because mythology comes from oral tradition, there's a wide variety across sources. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Long ago, an old farmer and his wife lived on their homestead in a vast countryside. They had no children and were very lonely. One morning, the old couple awoke to the sound of apples falling from a tree outside their window. The thud of the fruit was followed by a surprising sound. It was the wail of a baby, several babies to be precise, the couple rushed outside and were amazed to find three identical infants lying at the base of their apple tree. There was no one else in sight and no sign that anyone had left the children there. The old couple decided that the children must have miraculously fallen from the apple tree. Because they looked the same, the old couple decided to name them all Almafi, son of the apple. The smallest, third Almafi, rolled away apart from his brothers. He stopped crying to gaze at the world around him with wide, fascinated eyes. The children grew up on the farm, and before the old couple knew it, they were young men. First and second Almafi were strong, practical, and confident. They took to farming easily and rarely questioned their father. But the smallest brother, Third Almafi was a dreamer. He would climb an apple tree in the yard and gaze at the immense mountains on the horizon, wondering what lay beyond his small slice of the world. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Today, we're exploring the Hungarian tale of Almafi, the third of his name. Almafi embodies the spirit of every keen adventurer driven to find his place in a world full of mystery and wonder. Hungary is a small country in eastern-central Europe with relatively mysterious origins. Some experts believe the modern Hungarian people are descended from the Huns, hence the name Hungarian. But others claim they were once members of the Magyar tribes, a group of partially nomadic people who came from the Ural Mountains in what is now present-day Russia over a thousand years ago. The Magyar were warriors and conquerors, and their arrival in their new homeland ushered in an age of European raiding. But as the Ottoman Empire gained power, the Magyar people were eventually conquered themselves. 
Their land was divided, their people slaughtered and enslaved, and foreigners from neighboring countries settled on their land. The population of Magyar in Hungary was severely diminished as a result. Today, many Hungarians fight to maintain their Magyar roots and culture. This history of strife had a major impact on their stories. Hungarian myths primarily serve as an escape for their audience, rather than a means of explaining the world. As a result, they often blend elements of realism and fantasy, putting relatable, down-to-earth characters in larger-than-life situations. In the story of Almafi, a child born of strange and magical circumstances grows up to a life of tedium on a farm. But when he sets out on a journey to find a floating castle, he discovers a world full of wonders and inner strength he never knew he possessed. From high up in the apple tree, Almafi watched his brothers herd goats in the pasture. There was an ease to their step as they worked. Their father hoed in a field nearby, stopping every so often to look at his two sons with pride. The father's gaze shifted to Almafi, high up in the tree. He looked away quickly, but not before Almafi read the disappointment on his face. He sighed, gripped with melancholy. <sighs> Look at my brothers. They would be happy to toil on this farm forever. No one would believe we're related, much less bound by the same name. As a light breeze tickled his face, Almafi shut his eyes. He imagined flying through the clouds, over the distant mountains, and into the world beyond. His life on the farm wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. He wished he could go on a great adventure to discover wonderful far-off lands. He knew the world had to be full of places better than this dull farm, somewhere he could be more than just third Almafi. And when he finally opened his eyes, he saw just how right he was. What is that? It was an enormous castle, high up in the clouds, and it was floating over the farmlands and toward the mountains in the distance. What a wonderful place. My brothers will never believe it's real. And that is where I must go. The moment Almafi laid eyes on the floating castle from his perch in his family's apple tree, he knew that his life needed to change course immediately. The world was clearly full of magic, the likes of which he had never imagined. He had to find it for himself. A day later, Almafi's mother wept as she watched Almafi prepare to leave. She packed him a loaf of barley bread, but could not look him in the eye as she kissed his cheek. She rushed into their homestead, leaving Almafi to face his father and brothers. He took a deep, calming breath before he spoke, but his voice still wavered. I think you all know that I do not belong here. And if I do not leave now, I will only become more of a burden. His father stared at him for a long moment, shaking his head in disappointment. Without so much as a word, 
he turned and walked back to the house, slamming the door behind him. Almafi stared after his father, devastated. When he turned to his brothers, he could see they were struggling with what to say next. Our parents wish I was just like the two of you, but we are not the same. Once I have figured out who I really am apart from just third Almafi, then I will see you again. Almafi hugged his brothers and turned his back to them. He did not want them to see his own worry as it crept into his heart. He had never left home before and did not know whether he would succeed in his quest. He only knew he had to try. Almafi took off in the direction he'd seen the floating castle drift. He did not know where exactly he was headed or how long it might take to get there, but it had been floating north before, and so that was where he would begin. He walked through his farmland and into the mountain range that guarded them from the world. He walked and climbed and slid down steep inclines. His eyes kept looking upwards, hoping he would catch a glimpse of the elusive, supernatural structure. Hours later, he crested the highest peak of the range to look at what awaited him. It was a vast, punishing desert. Far beyond it was another cluster of mountains. That will take days to cross. He looked down anxiously at his single loaf of bread and realized with a sinking heart that he had not thought this out. He had assumed he'd see the floating castle again by now and would have some idea about where to go. He glanced back the way he came, his certainty wavering. Perhaps his father was right to be disappointed in him. He wasn't meant for a life of farming, but it was clear he wasn't meant for this either. But just as his doubt grew, Almafi pushed it away. It was hard to move forward, true, but it would be even harder going back to a home that had no place for him. No, I cannot go back now. And with a new purpose to his stride, he started down the side of the mountain. For three days, Almafi walked through the desert. Its oppressive heat grew more intolerable with every step. The range behind him grew distant, but the mountains before him appeared no closer. His stomach growled loudly. He had finished his bread a day ago and was growing delirious. Eventually, the exhaustion grew too great, and he sunk to his knees in defeat. He might have stayed there forever had he not heard a distant voice. Hello? Hello? Who's there? Almafi struggled to stand as he looked around for the source of the voice. Then a shadow passed over him, and he looked upwards. <gasps> it was the floating castle, moving above him at a rapid pace toward the mountain range. It was far closer to him than it had been the last time he'd laid eyes on it. He could see the fine, intricate details of the stone turrets, and then he saw something that made his jaw drop. 
A beautiful woman stood on the castle's uppermost balcony. She looked down at Almafi with such sadness that it startled him. But he soon saw why. Her delicate arms were laden with chains. She was a prisoner. As the wind whipped her long red hair, the princess opened her mouth to utter a plea. Help me! But the castle continued on, streaming through the sky at a fast clip. Almafi closed his eyes. His limbs ached with exhaustion, but if he did not find the strength to go after it, his entire journey would be in vain. He took a deep breath and pushed himself to his feet. Adrenaline coursed through Almafi's body as he chased after the castle, but it was traveling too quickly. It moved further and further away until soon it was but a small speck in the distance. Almafi once again fell to his knees, overcome with hopelessness. I failed! Oh, that was my chance! How will I ever find it again? What is that sound? <gasps> As Almafi knelt there, a lone chicken emerged from the brush and wandered directly into his path. Almafi eyed the chicken hungrily. As if possessed, his hands raised and he stepped forward, ready to catch his prey. But as he neared the chicken, Almafi paused. The bird was missing feathers, its eyes were bloodshot, and its feet were covered in dust. You look as tired as I am. Almafi looked out at the endless desert and realized that the sun would soon set. Then he turned to the chicken with a rueful smile. My brother, first Almafi, was very good at preparing game. He would not hesitate to skin you. But I need conversation more than I need a meal. Shall we find some shelter together and bunker down for the night? What? What is wrong? Almafi stepped back in shock as the chicken started to convulse. Sand whirled around the bird as its wings snapped back and its feathers disappeared. Its beak slowly flattened and its legs grew. Almafi stood in shocked silence as he watched the bird transform. Soon, an old man stood in its place. The old man looked Almafi up and down, his eyes black and penetrating. And who are you? Coming up, the naive Almafi finds out if the strange old man is friend or foe. Now, back to the story. Almafi had left his simple farm homestead to follow a miraculous sight, a castle that he'd seen floating in the sky with a beautiful maiden trapped on its balcony. However, as he crossed a vast desert in pursuit of the castle, he'd begun to wither from the heat and lack of food or water. A chance encounter with a chicken provided an opportunity for respite, but his pity for the bird had been stronger than his hunger. As soon as he made his choice, the bird transformed into an old man, 
a man who stared at Almafi with cold eyes as he asked, And who are you? I, I, I am third Almafi. Please, for whatever I have done, I am sorry. Let me pass. I have not appeared before you to punish you, but to reward you for your choice. I shall grant you a wish for the sympathy you have shown a poor old bird like me. A wish? For me? Indeed. Tell me, what is it you desire? Almafi's eyes widened as he considered all the things that he wanted. Riches, glory, a name of his own. More urgently, he needed food, water, and shelter. But then he thought of the maiden he had seen chained to the balcony of the floating castle. She had asked for his help. As Almafi remembered her sad expression, he knew he could not think of himself until she was safe. I wish to find the floating castle. In that case, you should keep walking. What? Uh, will you not just uh, tell me where it is? A wish is only as strong as the one it is given to. Keep walking. You will find the tools you need to get what you want. The old man pointed toward the mountains ahead, and Almafi looked in that direction. When he turned back, the old man was gone. A light breeze rustled the sand on the desert beneath where he last stood. Almafi was incredulous. The world was far more mystical than he could have guessed, but as he slowly turned toward the mountains, he was filled with dread. He was exhausted and starving. He had barely made it this far. Continuing seemed impossible. And yet, Almafi managed to put one foot in front of the other. Exhaustion overwhelmed him. Sweat soaked his clothing. His mouth was like sandpaper. But still, he walked, never straying from the direction the old man had pointed. Hours later, his legs trembled as he finally knelt at the foot of the mountain range. Incredibly, set in the rocky facade of the mountain's side, there was a door. Almafi rubbed his eyes, not trusting the sight before him, but the image remained. With a trembling hand, he gripped the door's large iron knob. The door opened, revealing darkness within. Almafi staggered to his feet. He cried out in pain as his weary body rose, his legs nearly buckling again with exhaustion. He threw himself through the door. It slammed shut behind him, and he was swallowed by darkness. Hello? Terror gripped Almafi's heart. He could not see at all, and he once again wondered how he would continue. But by reaching out around him, Almafi realized that he was in a narrow stone corridor. He used the wall for support and slowly moved down the hall. After a short time, Almafi's vision began to adjust. There was a dim light far ahead of him, growing brighter as he neared it. He hobbled toward it as fast as he could. Soon, he stepped out of the corridor and into a cavernous room. 
It was a palatial great hall, with candles burning in a chandelier that hung low over a huge oak table. Suits of armor lined the walls, and a roaring fire in an immense hearth lit the opposite side of the room. Hello? Is anyone here? There was no answer. Almafi slowly moved to the table, where he was amazed to find a sword and four bottles containing different colored liquids. Almafi reached out for them, but uncertainty stayed his hand. He was just a third brother. These treasures were surely for someone else. Then he remembered the old man's words. I will find the tools I need. Almafi hesitated, then gingerly picked up the sword. Uh, uh, it is uh, heavy. Ow! He had accidentally sliced his finger on the edge of the blade. He flinched in pain. But when he looked at his finger, there was no sign of a cut. He held it up, searching for the blood he knew must be there. There was nothing. He looked curiously at the sword, turning it over in his hands. On its other side, close to the handle, was an inscription. The one who wields me shall not be harmed. No, it cannot be. Impulsively, Almafi swung the sword at his foot, but the sword merely bounced off without causing harm. Almafi frowned. He slowly turned to one of the table's chairs. He raised the sword and brought it down hard. The blade sliced through the chair easily, and the wood fell to the ground with a clatter. <laughs> the blade is clearly sharp, and yet it does not cut me. It must give invincibility to the one who wields it. And these... Almafi turned to the potions that sat on the table. He uncorked one. A moment of hesitation stilled his hand, but the magic of the sword had stirred something within him. He tipped his head back and drank the mixture. Once the glass was drained, he paused and waited. As he did, his eyes widened. My stomach! It has stopped! It's growling! Amazing! He grabbed another vial and drank it quickly, then the other. After a moment, he gasped in surprise. His thirst was gone, and his legs had stopped trembling. Almafi could not believe what was happening. He moved to set the vials down on the table, but they shattered as soon as they touched the surface. Did I do that? But I barely touched it. Almafi's eyes lit up. He grabbed the edge of the massive oak table and lifted it. It toppled over as easily as if it was made of paper. One vial had given him incredible strength, while the other had stopped his thirst. He nearly cried with gratitude. Moments ago, he was dying, and now his body coursed with incredible power. He wandered around the room, accidentally kicking the final bottle. It smashed against the stone floor, spilling its contents. Almafi dropped to his knees, horrified that he had wasted another gift. 
but as the contents of the bottle poured out, he saw that it wasn't a liquid, but a thick lotion. On instinct, he swiped a glob of lotion with his finger, closed his eyes, and gently rubbed it across his eyelids. When he opened his eyes, he gasped. (gasps) Hello? The room was filled with people, all wearing long, flowing robes. They moved about without speaking. Ghosts. He reached out a hand to touch a man close to him, but it passed through as if the man was made of smoke. Almafi's face was full of admiration and respect. To think I could have gone my entire life without seeing such things. (laughs) Oh, the world is amazing, just as I always thought it would be. Who are you? But the ghosts simply watched this traveler as he stared at them in awe. Finally, they scattered to the sides of the room, revealing a door beside the fireplace. Almafi gave them one last look, then strode toward it. Oh, the wonders that he could now see with his new powers. But first, he had a maiden to find. A short time later, Almafi emerged into a thick forest in the center of the mountain range. Tall trees rose up to the sky and out of sight. Almafi took a deep breath and looked around. He did not know where he needed to go, and despite his new powers, he felt uncertainty once again tug at his heartstrings. Second Almafi was so good at navigating. He would never set out unless he knew where he was going. But second Almafi was not there, and so Almafi took another deep breath and made his way through the forest with no idea if he was going the right way. As he neared the side of another mountain peak, he saw a small cave obscured by trees. Beside it was a large, flat slab of granite. Almafi squinted curiously at the slab and was surprised when writing appeared. This mountain speaks. He will see what you seek. Bring him twelve trees of pine. Watch it burn. (sighs) Twelve trees of pine? My brothers always gathered the wood at home. I do not know how. Almafi looked down at his hands and smiled. He was about to find out just how strong he really was. A pine tree toppled through the air, hitting the ground with a loud crack. Another one followed, then another. Almafi stood at the tree's base, dusting off his hands. He hadn't even broken a sweat. Almafi pushed over a series of trees and then paused to count them. Nine, ten, eleven, twelve. There. Almafi gathered the trees together in a pile and stood back. He was unsure what to do next and paced around the pile. Watch it burn. But I was not given fire as a gift. That I know of. Almafi grabbed a stone and dug his sword into a tree at the center of the pile. He slammed a rock against its blade repeatedly until sparks began to fly. Aha! 
Almafi stood back as the entire stack was engulfed in flames. The warm light from the fire illuminated his face as he waited for what would happen next. Who is there? It was you who woke me. The mountain speaks. Who are you? Why did you wake me up? I... I am Third Elmafi. I am looking for something. A castle that floats in the sky. A beautiful maiden is trapped there. The mountain shifted around as if trying to look in all directions. Almafi dodged rocks that were pelted in his direction. Climb to my peak. You will be just in time. The mountain inhaled the smoke from the fire with pleasure as Almafi began to climb. His strong body propelled him upward with ease. Within moments, he stood atop the peak, looking out at the expansive view. But the floating castle was nowhere to be seen. The light around him suddenly darkened as a looming shape above blocked the sun. Almafi looked up to see the castle, floating low above him. Its stone foundation was so close that Almafi could almost touch it. His eyes lit up, for there on the highest balcony, just as he had seen her before, was the maiden. Their gaze met and Almafi tensed, ready to leap onto the castle at exactly the right moment. Almafi froze as a horrible roar filled the air. His eyes filled with fear, his hands trembled. The roar had come from inside the floating castle. Clearly, the princess was not the only thing waiting inside. Coming up, Almafi faces the monster of the floating castle. Now, back to the story. Almafi had come a long way from his modest farm, where he lived in the shadow of his two brothers. After nearly dying in a vast desert, he was given the gifts of strength, sustenance, and vision, as well as a sword of invincibility. He'd never before possessed such power and was finally learning to embrace it. But when he was faced with the magical floating castle he'd been seeking, he was stopped in his tracks by a monster's fearsome roar. What is that? Run! He will rip you apart! Almafi looked at the maiden who stood on the floating castle's upper balcony. She pulled at the chains that bound her, panic showing on her face. His brothers, first and second Almafi, were cautious. They surely would have devised a plan before charging into a strange, magical castle. But the maiden's voice made Almafi forget any thought of danger. Almafi took a running start and leaped off the mountain peak. He soared through the air toward the castle. Just as he started to fall, his hand clasped on a rock outcropping near the base. His legs flailed below him as the palace floated beyond the mountain range and over a valley below. 
he was very, very high up. Almafi looked around, considering his options. He had incredible strength, true, but he was stuck on the bottom of the palace with no way to climb up. He closed his eyes and took a deep breath. He allowed his heartbeat to slow, his fear to subside, and when he opened his eyes, he saw his way out. There was a hatch in the bottom of the palace, only a few yards away from where he hung. Almafi gripped the rock tightly and swung his body toward it. With a gasp, he reached out to grab another rock, then another. Slowly, he pulled himself to the hatch. With a last heave, he swung his body toward it, kicked the hatch open, and crawled through. The floating castle was darker and drearier than Almafi had expected. He stalked its corridors carefully, ascending each stairwell that he found. Finally, the stairs ended in a door. He opened it and was greeted with a fierce torrent of rushing wind. Clouds obscured his view, and the wind caused him to stagger backward, but he gathered his strength, steadied his feet, and peered through the mist. At last, he saw her. The maiden was kneeling on the balcony to which she was chained. At the sight of Almafi, she stood, her face filling with relief. You are the one I saw below. I am third Almafi, and I am here to, well, rescue you. I am Hana. A very pretty name. Here, uh, let us get you out of those chains. Hana watched, incredulous, as Almafi grabbed her chains and broke them with his bare hands. She rubbed her wrists, which were raw from the cuffs that had held them. Thank you. I have been a prisoner for so long. It is strange to suddenly be free. I somehow know the feeling. Tell me, how long have you been trapped here? Three years. But in truth, I feel that I have been a prisoner all my life. What do you mean? My father encountered the monster who lives in this castle when I was just a little girl. It threatened to take me from him, so he never let me go outside. He just wanted to keep me safe. And then what happened? I wanted to prove to my father that it was wrong to keep me trapped that I was stronger outside of my cage. So I snuck out into the garden. It was the first time I had seen the sky in years. But then the sky darkened. I looked up to see this castle floating overhead. The, the trapdoor opened. The monster reached down and... <laughs> Almafi felt her anguish. He had also desired to prove something to his father. It was why he had left home, why he stood on this balcony now. He took her hands. This was not your fault. Is it not? If I had only obeyed my father, I would not be in this mess. I too desired more than my father's home could offer. I used to think that if I had only stayed, things would have been easier. 
But I never would have known this marvelous world, and I never would have known myself. The chamber walls shook as another monstrous roar echoed through the castle. Hana flinched. We should go before the monster finds us. He found me once. I fear that as long as he lives, I will never truly be free. Almafi tensed with anger. It was not right that Hana had exchanged one prison for another. She had been punished for merely wanting to live. He had to free her. Almafi gripped his sword and tore his eyes from Hana's. He strode back to the stairwell. Almafi dragged his sword as he went from room to room. The monster's roar spurred him on, as if calling him closer. But each door he swung open revealed an empty chamber, and he soon grew frustrated. The roar echoed around him, coming from nowhere and everywhere, until finally he heard heavy footsteps. Almafi hesitated. He thought about his brothers, the other Almafis. They would take Hana and run, hoping that the monster did not follow. They would not willingly seek out danger, as he was doing now. But Almafi realized with a start that this entire journey he had done the opposite of what his brothers might have done. Instead, he had followed his instincts. And he would do the same now. The monster was nearby. Almafi raised his sword and raced down a corridor, bursting through a doorway. <gasps> Almafi stood at the entrance of a cavernous room. The floor was littered with bones. Buzzing flies filled the air. And in its center was the most horrific monster that Almafi had ever seen. Its body was like that of a human, but covered in slimy scales. A long, pointed tail extended from its rump. A huge, gaping mouth revealed yellowing teeth that were stained with blood. It opened even wider to let out a thunderous roar. Almafi wasted no time. He raised his sword and rushed forward. But the monster whipped its tail, sweeping Almafi's legs out from under him. Almafi had no time to react before the beast was on top of him. Its horrific mouth opened wide, then closed on his arm. An instant later, the beast sat back with a cry. Its teeth had broken against Almafi's impenetrable skin. The magic of the sword had saved him. Almafi raised the blade once again, but the monster was ready for him. Its tail lashed out, trying to ram through Almafi's head. As soon as it hit Almafi's skull, the pointed end of the tail broke, sending the monster writhing to the ground in pain. Seizing the moment, Almafi grabbed his sword and drove it through the monster's belly. The beast twisted on the ground, blood pouring from its stomach. After a final twitch, it lay still. Almafi stood over his fallen foe. I, 
I cannot believe it. Almafi spun to see Hana in the doorway. She stared at him with joy before rushing to him and throwing her arms around his neck. Almafi held her tenderly. You've killed him. You've... you've freed me. Come, I will take you to your home. Thank you, Third Almafi. It is a strange name, is it not? Perhaps you are right. Call me Almafi, if you prefer. It does have a better ring to it. Almafi and Hana escaped the flying castle together. They walked for days, but their walk was more than a journey. Almafi had fallen in love with Hana long ago when he first laid eyes on her. But as they trekked through the mountains, across the plains, down into valleys, they came to know one another in a new way. They talked and laughed and cried. And by the time they arrived back at Hana's palace, Almafi realized that no one in the world knew him better than Hana. For as far as she was concerned, he was the only Almafi that mattered, and she was greater than any adventure he had ever imagined. They soon reached Hana's kingdom. Her father, the king, greeted them with tears as he held his treasured daughter once again. Then he turned to Almafi and asked the name of the man who had brought his daughter home. I... I... To the king, it was a simple question, but this time it gave Almafi pause. He thought of all he had done and how different he felt from the young, insecure boy he'd been when he began his journey. He gripped Hana's hand and she smiled at him encouragingly. With confidence, Almafi turned to address the king. I am Almafi. Almafi wasted no time in asking for Hana's hand in marriage and was thrilled when she agreed. But even so, he was surprised to find a new longing in his heart. He missed his parents and brothers. They had known him when he did not know himself, and he wished to have them by his side while he married Hana. The king sent men to summon the family. When they arrived at the castle, they were overjoyed to behold the man that their son had become. Years later, Almafi became king. The potions had long worn off. His treasured sword had become ordinary, but he no longer questioned who he was or what he was capable of. He was Almafi, and that was enough. Almafi was a king who came from humble origins, and his time-worn story speaks to the spirit of adventure in all of us. He began his journey as an uncertain young man, not knowing what dangers the world might hold. But every step brought new challenges, and every success and failure brought new wisdom and confidence, until he finally became the man he was always meant to be. His story is at home in Hungarian folklore, which often sees its heroes use magical gifts and face supernatural obstacles on a journey to inner growth. 
It's this balance of the fantastical with the personal that makes their stories relatable models for our own lives. If Almafi had never left his farm for the great beyond, he might have been safer, but he never would have found the independence or confidence to be himself, and he never would have seen the world's wonders. His story proves that no magic is as strong as that which already lies within. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. For more information on Almafi, amongst the many sources we used, we found Encyclopedia of Russian and Slavic Myth and Legend by Mike Dixon Kennedy, extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Wednesday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, at Parcast, and Twitter, at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic story. Mythology was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Greg Castro. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Susanna Corrington, Harris Markson, and Dan Velasquez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Vanessa Richardson